Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela. And I'm Lori. And today we have two very special guests joining us. We have Victoria and Brittany. Here are, they are like the the vintage queens and they model their clothing. Their Instagram pages are just gorgeous. And I am so excited to dig in with them tonight and get to know them a little better. Welcome, ladies. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so excited to talk. We are to you. pumped to have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Brittany, I know you pretty well. We go, yeah. we go, we go a little way back. Yeah. <laughs> but I, why don't you both introduce yourself, and so I can get to know Victoria better as well. You want to go first, or you want me to? Go sure, first? go for it, Brittany. Okay. Take it away. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I'm Brittany. I'm uh, known as Shop Foxborough on um, pretty much all the platforms that you know I'm on Instagram, uh, YouTube, and Poshmark, Etsy, all that stuff. I used to be Foxborough Vintage, but then I sort of transitioned um, a couple of years back when I started selling a mix of like vintage and modern instead of just exclusively vintage. And um, yeah, I really like the the new ring and it's how most people know me shop Foxborough. So, um, it's nice uh, when a name really works, you know, and then, um, people make that connection. It's a great name. I love it. Every time I see a Fox, I think of you. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I have a, a little Fox logo that I have a friend that, um, is a graphic designer. And when she was just getting started, she designed that for me. Um, she gave me a good deal, but I'm sure now it'd be super expensive if she had to you got in at the right time, Brittany. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I mean, what? It was like, uh, I don't know, 10, 11 years ago, something like that. So oh, has it been that long? That's it amazing. has been that long since 2012 wow. is when I, wow. so it's when I like first launched it. And so I had her designing it in 2011. So wow. Yeah. Good you. Crazy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm uh, 35. I always forget how old I am. Um, and I have two small kids. I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old, and um, I was home with them all last year. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how I uh, how I came out on top, but I don't know how people did well it with the little year. ones. Yeah, yeah, it was rough, but um, yeah, mm-hmm. we're on the other side of it for right now. So yeah, that's me. I'm uh. I'm into books. I love books. I love Japan. I love food. Talk to me about anything. with you. Anytime. <laughs> Are you going to be doing your read alouds again this year on your YouTube channel with your holiday I don't know. stories? I, I did that for um for my son's daycare mm-hmm. because or no, for his kindergarten because I couldn't go into the school. Um, every year I would go to his school or daycare and I would read a few Christmas books to the class. And because I couldn't go in last year, I recorded those for them to, to do. And then I found that vintage book that was out of copyright. And I was like, well, I've got to record this too. So, um, I don't know maybe if I can find a book that's not, um, under copyright protection, (laughs) I'll be able to do it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, because oh, the, the little read alouds I did for his class are all like private, but the other one is public because gotcha. it that was cool. I love that you take risks and do fun things. 
Brittany, how long have you been selling online? Um, online, I started my Etsy shop in January of 2012, and I opened with 75 items, I think. Mm-hmm. So nine years officially, but then right. I've been like listing stuff. I was listing, you know, the year before and whatnot. Nice. All right. Yeah. I'm going to have Etsy questions for you later. Okay. I want to hear where Super Geeked came from. Yes. <laughs> so um, my name's Victoria and I think I live the furthest away from everybody. I live on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And so I've lived here pretty much my whole life, um, except for six years in Ohio, where my husband's from. But Super Geeked was a brand that I came up with. Um, I do sell, you know, modern and vintage, um, but I'm really into like mid-century modern. So um, my whole house is mid-century modern. I've been a big collector since I was 10, 11 years old. So I'm 41, almost 42. So that's 30 years, you know, of collecting. And so that's where my love of vintage comes from. I've been reselling since the late 90s. I started on eBay when eBay launched. Um, and it hasn't been consistent all these years. I went through phases where I would uh, cycle through my own collections and um, then get, you know, bring in new items to my home. And then for a while, and then when Etsy launched, I got on Etsy and have been selling on Etsy since then. And it's just been sort of in and out. And I became a full-time reseller about three years ago now. So uh, something happened with my work and I found myself needing to do something. And I have a big passion for collecting. And my friend said, what about fashion? You know, she was on Poshmark and I said, well, I don't know, I'll try it, you know, and it sort of went from there. So, um, and Brittany came to Mississippi, so we got to hang out oh, and uh, her mom lives in Mississippi. So we yeah. drew, both drove two hours and met each other in the middle of the state and hung out. And so that was fun. That's amazing. That's amazing. How perfect that you're both here tonight with us. Mm -hmm. Um, Quick question, Victoria. What was it about uh, 10 year old Victoria that loved mid-century modern that like um, sparked your interest? So yeah, I started going to antique auctions and estate sales and antique stores with my, both my grandmothers and my mother Uh, since I can remember. And my mother, when I was about 10 years old, told me, you know, you need to start a collection. So, you know, she said three or more items. She said, pick something you're really drawn to. It could be anything. And I, for some reason, and I didn't know what mid-century modern. Oh, Oh, no, it froze. She's frozen. All right, we'll wait until Victoria might have a signal. She may have to um, hang up and come back. Sometimes yeah. that happens. Um, I was I was curious about that. I'm glad we got the first part in, but hopefully, yeah. I'm not sure if you can hear us, Victoria. Um, but I'm going to ask you, Brittany, a question until Victoria comes back. Sure. Uh, if you could just sell vintage, would you sell vintage exclusively? If like if that or do you enjoy modern as well? So that's a, I mean, it's kind of a double-edged sword, I guess. Um, so when I first started, 
selling online. I only sold vintage. And um, I just really struggled to not only find my own like style and my own aesthetic and what I liked and what I wanted to sell. Um, but I also had trouble making enough money to make it worth right. doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I'm at a point now where if I wanted to sell only vintage, I could do that. Um, but so much of like the modern stuff and like mixing the two is kind of key to my personal style that Mm -hmm. I don't know that that's the way that I would go is to go back to selling only vintage because part of, part of why people are so intimidated by vintage is they feel like they can't get into it because it's too expensive or it's an exclusive club or, you know, they just don't fit the style. Um, But I feel like there's so much modern that can really replicate vintage so well that they like mix together so nicely. And it's, you don't have to be like a big spender to buy a modern top that works just as well, like with with the vintage pieces that you do have. So I feel like they go really well together. I mean, if you think about a vintage outfit and maybe you've got a skirt and you've got a blouse and then you've got a cardigan over it, like how much money are you going to spend buying vintage cardigans in all kinds of different colors when you could get some off of the secondhand market and save that stuff? Mm-hmm. and it's I mean so what if it's modern eventually it'll be vintage anyway so, you know, so I find I, sometimes I, not being like an expert in modern but having an interest and maybe having a little bit of an eye for it sometimes I'll see a piece and I'll say I just in my my most recent video that I had a vintage dress and I said that looks like something I would see in anthropology today yes, yes. but it's 1970s and it's beautiful and I think that it would work with a modern pair of heels and whatever it is or belted or whatever and I do love the idea of mixing and matching modern and vintage to get a look Mm -hmm. um and and I and I feel like a lot of people will do that vintage Levi's with like a cropped top that's modern you know that sort of look so welcome back back Victoria we lost you it's okay don't worry about it (laughs) I'm glad you're back um so Brittany was just saying I was I asked the question if she was Um, If she could sell vintage exclusively, would she? Because I I have another friend who's a vintage seller who kind of had to start selling modern because she wasn't really able to pay the bills. This is what she did full time. This was her rent money, everything. And she needed to make a certain amount of money and she wasn't really making ends meet, so to speak, with vintage. So she had to incorporate modern and she kind of got away from vintage, even though it was her passion because it wasn't you know, making the money she had hoped. So I'm curious for, for you too, Victoria, is that something that, um, do you enjoy mixing the modern in or would you be exclusively vintage if given the um, opportunity? I, I have enjoyed selling modern. I didn't think I would, but there's so many nuances in fashion anyway. And even when you look at vintage fashion, there's throwbacks. So, mm. you know, in the eighties, you saw a lot of silhouettes that were 40 silhouettes you know I I remember in the 90s there was a big throwback to the late 60s early 70s if you went in 17 magazine everything was very 
hippie, you know, that was where the slip dress came back and, you know, all those things were incorporated. So you see that in fashion, both modern and vintage. So I think it's fun to mix both. I mean, I don't, I love vintage is where my heart is, you know, both in the hard goods and in the fashion. And Mm -hmm. I would love to just focus on that because that's, you know, it's what you're where my heart is, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, there's no reason you can't mix modern fashion. I mean, it happens all the time. And it's funny because my husband will come to the thrift store with me and he's like seeing all these young girls coming in shopping for themselves. And he's like, oh my gosh, they're wearing stuff that, <laughs> that we wore in the nineties, you know? And I said, well, that's what's in, right. you know? And so you can definitely mix all this. You see a lot like um, with vest, you know, wear just a vest no nothing underneath it mm-hmm. you know so I sell a lot of vest you know just instead of a crop top you're there wearing a vest and a pair of jeans That's cool. Yeah. so I mean I I a lot of my money comes from modern fashion so I definitely don't want to just throw it right. <laughs> throw it to the wind right. but but my heart's definitely in vintage I mean my entire house is vintage countertops like the, I am a total nerd for things that are old and being able to you know restart use it again and give it new life is very inspiring. So, and then you see that with modern fashion, that modern fashion is going to be like Brittany said, vintage too, mm-hmm. at some point. So mm-hmm. it'll continue. Plus to it's move. hard to pass up certain pieces when you're thrifting. If you come across like a, you know, sometimes if I find something that's not really my aesthetic, but it's, I know it's a wonderful piece. It's hard to leave that behind anyway. So I'm sure you run into that. So you said um, you were such a nerd for it, which made me think super geek. So you had started to say where your name came from before we lost you. So the brand, the idea for the brand is to encompass all the things that I get super geeked about. And it's not just reselling. A lot of my YouTube channels reselling, but like I do like a series at Christmas time. It's called Merry Kitchmas, where I it's talk about fantastic, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> one of my largest collections is my vintage Christmas collection. I have aluminum Christmas tree. I have knee hugger elves. I have all these things. So I do oh, a series. Cool. Yeah, I do a series <laughs> where because I love to know the history. Mm, yeah. If if I pick up a vintage piece of clothing, I want to know about the designer and I do research on it, just like you would with a modern designer, somebody new who's coming out. I do the same thing with vintage. Well, it's the same thing with collecting or reselling hard goods or collectibles from, you know, certain eras of time. They resell for a lot. So I do this series on my channel where I talk about, for instance, the aluminum Christmas tree or smaller, we'll talk the Nihagar elves, you know, or ornaments, glass, mercury, glass ornaments. You see these at the, you know, estate sale when you're there, pay other things or the thrift store and you think, oh, they're just some glass ornaments, but they sell for a lot. So Mm -hmm. I talk about the history of the collectible. I talk, I show my collection and then I also show resale values in case, you know, I try to bring in my reselling audience to say, hey, if you see vintage Christmas, don't because it's valuable you know, do you and have your date set for that series yet? in case people are curious, I usually like- start, I do December. I start December 1st and okay. I just do 12, the 12 days. So oh, I, I don't it. do it the 12 days before Christmas. Cause it gets too close. And I have two small children yeah. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I give myself grace in the month of December, but I usually start December 1st with that series. So it'll be a little different this year, but my videos are up from last year and like I said, I, I, I like to do videos like that. I'm going to do a lot more on mid-century modern because a lot of us are already in thrift stores. Mm. 
and you're going to see, you know, everybody knows Pyrex. You go pick up a Pyrex dish or your dish you think's Pyrex. And you know, there's information on all these other companies that aren't just Pyrex. There's Glass Bake, there's Anchor Hawking, which makes Fire King, and they're all collectible too. Like there are people like me paying big money for to add the final dishes to our collections, you know, so there's big resale value there. You just need to know what to look for. So yeah, that's, that's great information and it's unique. I mean, it's unique to me. It's not what I always consume. So that would be super interesting to me to see that, that sort of a series. I'm looking forward to watching that. That's exciting. Yeah. I'll definitely binge last year's because I, I, I am curious about that kind of stuff. I love the history of items, whether it's clothing, um, furniture, the way things were made. Like I, I've always liked that kind of stuff. And maybe it's because um, family members of mine built things, you know, back in Italy and built things here. And there's like history behind the things they built that they brought over. And I think there's like a part of me that it's like, it's just something that I enjoy to know personally, not so much for reselling purposes, but just like for me to build my knowledge base on. So I'll be interested to look at all of those videos about all the Christmas stuff because I love Christmas and to even know that there's collectibles that I'm probably passing even today I'm thinking I'm like oh I was in the thrift store and I was looking at all the Christmas stuff and there were some things that probably were worth something that I just was like you know not interested kind of thing you know yeah um could you tell me about that elf knicker I'm sorry I was just I don't know the knee huggers what what is that what are they you know the modern elf yeah no the elf on the shelf is modeled yeah. after a 1950s knee hugger elves. So oh, they have arms yes. and their legs tuck up yeah, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so they're, that's what the elf on the shelf was taken from was knee hugger elves. So I didn't know that that was their name. I actually bought yeah. two of them at an antique store out in Western Mass um, because my kids wanted multiple elves on the shelf. It was like the bane of my existence <laughs> because we had four elves and yes they were very cute they they went up okay I didn't know that that's what they were called oh awesome learned something thank you thank you thank you I was just ahead, my Daniel. questions I'm that I, it's, it's all right don't worry about it uh, I feel like we both have a lot of questions that we want to ask because this is just something that's totally yeah. out of not that it's out of our realm but it's you know we focus on more of the modern pieces when it comes to selling and all that and Lori definitely dives more into vintage than I do but so here I am a novice vintage seller and I like I want to dive into it I want to learn more about it I want to start to incorporate it more I'm petrified to do it let's be real because I don't know what's what right like I need someone to hold my hand and be like this is good get this this is not good don't get this so let's say okay I'm coming to you or you know I'm I'm someone new and I want to start looking into vintage or I, I, I want to like understand it a little bit more what what resources should I go to what should be my first steps when I'm walking into that thrift store like what what should I go in knowing I know this is like such a loaded question but but in the most <laughs> simplest way that you can explain it to our listeners <laughs> So this is actually kind of, um, it's honestly why a majority of people feel like there's a wall around vintage, um, because vintage sellers don't share what they know and they don't pass on that information and there's not a lot of resources. So when I first started selling vintage, like there was no one to hold my hand. (laughs) So you just you know, and and then you go in and you pick something up that you like, or that you think might be good, or that looks well made, or that it's nice fabric. And then you kind of dive into 
um you know well is it run of the mill what is this designer and then just like gradually uh, you know you make a lot of mistakes like when i first started my shop i can't tell you how many things i ended up having to sell for like five ten fifteen dollars just to like move them along until i really got more of a feel of like what i was doing um and so the biggest tip that i can say is to watch my youtube channel <laughs> Um, although i do talk a lot about vintage but um it's just you do learn a lot i i i agree Brittany. (laughs) just to buy um things that really catch your eye that really stand out so you know you're flipping through a rack and you're not buying like the white silk shirts or the the purple pencil skirts or you know whatever else you're buying like the crazy patio set that has like silver rickrack and like puff sleeves and like a giant skirt like it's if it stands out and you're looking at it and you're like wow that's different Mm -hmm. that's a sign to pick it up Mm -hmm. so that's just I mean that's what I can say it's like yes there are going to be some designer pieces out there that are more like classic and that have value um but if you're completely clueless about vintage and you find something that just makes you take a step back and you're like wow either that's cool or that's like so over the top uh even if you don't like it personally um someone will want it so yeah that would be my advice. But I think curiosity is key with any niche you're in because you just, once you start going down that rabbit hole, if you, if you see one thing and then you see a designer and then you see where it was sold and you see what year it was sold and then you look at comps, it's just, it kind of is a snowball effect when you start looking into a certain area um, with anything. I just got an offer on eBay on a vintage eighties plaid puff sleeve cottage core blouse. And I want you guys to tell me what you think I should take for it. It's, it's, it has like this little, um, I don't know. Sorry to our listeners, but okay. see, it looks like, it's very like a big love. Yeah. It's plaid looking. Hmm? It's plaid. It's plaid. Oh, yeah. Okay. You can't tell in the photo because there's a little bit of a glare, but it's okay. It's very, it's like mustard, but it's plaid. And that little um, ruffle V is a mm-hmm. separate piece that goes over it. Called a bib. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so it's button front with a bib. It was part of the estate sale that was in like the 13 bags of trash that I'm still working through. So I listed it for 55. It's Ellen Tracy, golden brown, button down. I got a $35 offer. That's fair. I think that's good. I would say that's could probably get a little bit more for it, but I feel like 35 is kind of like a real average for tops. And Ellen Tracy, I mean kind of a middle of the road sort of I think so she's been around for a bit too and we're doing the what sold video soon polyester or silk I think cotton to be honest oh cotton I mean yeah did I write that down I don't know but anyways cotton polyester made in Hong Kong removable ruffle bib see I did put it in description (laughs) for you Lori (laughs) (laughs) all right and see, you're seeing that in modern fashion again now too. The yes. bibs. I mean, I, oh I just bought a dress yesterday yeah. that has that that same style. Yep. 
and with the bib look. I mean, it's not what removable. What brand? What is it like? Mod cloth that's selling it, or like no, Target? This was Target. <laughs> Target. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I bet you know what dress I'm talking about too. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, but I think I mean if you were looking at that, uh, you priced it at fifty five. I would, I would. I mean, if you wanted to counter, I would counter at like 40 or 42, but I think 35 is I fair. 35 is I'm fair. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for your feedback. You got it out of a bag. It's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm honestly, for me, if it's north of 30 on most items that are like $3 or less, I'm, I'm pretty happy. I usually click accept. <laughs> Victoria, your turn. Share some advice with me. What should I do? Well, you know, I 100% agree with Brittany because when I go thrifting with friends a lot and a lot of my friends that are just getting into reselling will say, well, how do you know to pick that item? And it, and I'm like, it's my, it's a gut feeling. Mm. You just know, cause it looks different. So a lot of vintners, cause they're really hot in fall and winter, you know, you can pair them with anything and so I'll go through the whole section and there's like 25 vintage blazers and how are you picking these? But like, just like Brittany said, there's something different and special, even in this plaid blazer that's, you know, just is saying, pick me, you know? And so you just kind of have to go with your gut and learn what sells because I sell ridiculous stuff like windsuits. I mean, or, you know, in the nineties, the really popular, like, floral bubble suits I remember wearing in the early 90s when I was like 10 or 11. yeah people want that you know so you go in and buy the ridiculous stuff and that's the stuff that stands out when somebody's scrolling and searching it's going to pop out and they're going to you know you want it because it's just different you know you, you don't you don't find a lot of the you know the similar things so for me that's the first thing I can tell you, especially because somebody who came into modern fashion, not having a lot of brand knowledge and experience in that realm, you know, we learn, you know, as we go. So it's trial and error, you know, just like anything else, it's not scary. You just get in there and start picking pieces that you speak to you and try them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they work and they pay off and sometimes they don't, but you start to learn, wow, this is what you know, the people coming and buying from me are looking for. So now it's easier, you know, to pick because I just know, you know, this is just not going to get the attention I want it to get. I'm not going to get that high, you know, price that I want. And so I'm just going to leave it because it's something plain and ordinary, unless it's some special brand, you know, and, and that's the big thing because the things like learning to date vintage, you know, becomes a little more complicated. Mm. Um, there's so many things to learn about labels, uh, when zippers changed, when buttons changed, you know, all these things that you can use to date vintage, those come later. But when you're starting, you really just have to get in there and find pieces that speak to you. That's my problem. I'm someone that needs to know everything. It's just who I am as a person. I can't help it. So like, I feel like I need to go into anything and just know it all and then find the stuff. And, you know, but I know with vintage, it's, I have such a big learning curve. Such yeah, that's too, curve. it's a little too paralyzing, I think, to approach vintage yeah, like that. That's, like, that's just, you just kind of have to, you go in and you, you pick what you pick. And then, I mean, you look at the platforms that we sell on and like eBay and um, even Etsy and, um, you know, Poshmark, 
Depop, like the people shopping don't necessarily know what era, you know, it is. And I mean, you could pick something up from the 90s and say that it's 70s inspired. And it's like, I was just going to say, do you ever look at listings and you're like, girl, you are so off. That is not 80s. That is not this. (laughs) Of course I do. And I've bought stuff before that's like, um, you know, someone takes kind of bad pictures of it and I'm like, it's, you know, okay, well, it could be a fifties dress for a really good price. And then, cause they say it is, you know, and mm. then you get it and you're like, this is the most, this is eighties. You've got a smocked back. You've got a <laughs> nylon zipper. You've got, you know, the velvet is, uh, not made with silk or rayon. It's like you, you and you don't, we wouldn't know these things if you weren't like, someone right. who I wouldn't know any it, of those things I was saying, claimed <laughs> that you know as long as you're not saying like oh this is you know like a 1970s dress and it's worth $300 right then you're fine just selling it as vintage just sell it as vintage it's fine you know, I also think when you don't know the value like I found that uh vintage Lily Pulitzer dress and I really didn't know what it was worth and um I listed it and got an offer immediately And that almost like scared me. Like, did I, did I price this too low? And I took it down and then I relisted it as an auction and started with that offer price. And that's what it ended up selling at. So it didn't go any higher, but I sometimes think that if, if other people know better than you, then you kind of maybe just pick the price that you are okay with and start it. And if you're comfortable with auction, you know, the, the people will dictate what is what something might be worth. I mean, usually auctions go a little bit less sometimes if people aren't paying attention, but you know. Yeah. And also, um, would you say the bins are a good place to start because the pricing is so inexpensive? It's it's a safe place to make errors, I would think, just because it's inexpensive if people have access to the Goodwill outlet. Yeah, my one thing about the the bins at least for me, and I don't know, you know, how it is for you, Victoria, your bins, because every, every bins is different, but it's like, while I do find a ton of vintage at the bins, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily find those like showstopper pieces that sort of make you really take a step back Mm -hmm. and say like, oh, this is a definite, you know, so I would say that if you're like looking to open a vintage shop, you would have to go to the bins a lot to find what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, I feel like the real trick with vintage is to just keep your eyes open because it is everywhere and you find good pieces everywhere, but you might only find one or two. But then when you take a step back, you've accumulated, you know, a rack or two racks or in my case, like 10. Um, Who's counting? Yeah. (laughs) But it's just, you know, you just kind of always have to keep your eyes open because the likelihood that you're going to find like 15 really great vintage pieces in one location. I mean, it's not. Unlikely. Very likely. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, it's been, it's been the same for me. I, most of the really good vintage pieces I've got are either thrift store or state sales. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can go to a garage sale if it's, you know, someone's got someone who's passed away and, you know, has something that they inherited and they're just trying to offload. But those are my two places that I pick up the, my special pieces are thrift stores and estate sales. And I've, you know, I've got stuff at the bins, but 
Um, our bins are not very um, The one Brittany and I went to is a little bit better. It's small. It's very small. <laughs> I mean, she racked up, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, that's just, you know, you, I mean, you really can find it anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I get offered stuff from my neighbors, you know, and they've got, a whole bunch of stuff that, you know, they don't want that they inherited and I'm getting bags of, of old stuff. That's not stuff that I would necessarily list, but at least I've been given inventory to kind of sift through. Cause, but you know, you sell a lot of like mid-tier designer and I know Danielle, especially like I've seen you post like fashion shows and everything. If you, you know, if fashion's the same, whether it's old or new. And so if you look at these designers and what they're doing, they're taking pages from old. That's, I mean, because fashion's a constant recycle. Mm -hmm. So look at current fashion shows, what's in, you know, on trend right now, and then go in the thrift store or the estate sale and say, wow, this reminds me Mm -hmm. of something I saw and Mm -hmm. list it, you know, Mm -hmm. and you can put those keywords in there that, you know, it reminded you of something or like Brittany said, you can about an area reminiscent of you know because there's a lot of recycling in fashion so that too you know you have a good gut for modern fashion so you should it should be the same for vintage I mean the historical content and dating things gets a little tricky but you can get into that later you can learn that you know later down the line to help you distinguish that and Brittany she didn't say anything about this but she has a great pricing video on her YouTube channel on how to price vintage oh yeah I do (laughs) So that's a good way because I, I pretty much price, even my modern fashion, I don't go by comps. I go by what I know and I just list it for what I know I can get for it. And like Brittany knows, I sell a lot of mod cloth because it's vintage inspired. And she's always like, I can't believe you got that much for that skirt or that dress. And it's because I just go with what I know from the that brand Mm -hmm. and I list it. I don't worry about comps. I hardly ever look up comps unless it's like a new brand. Mm -hmm. So same with vintage, you just kind of have to try and see what works. And I mean, just kind of go with your gut. Yeah. I think, I think my problem is and because I know brands so well, I feel like I need to know brands for vintage. That's, I think is what holds me back the most is that I, I try not to be so brand focused, but I am. There's no way around it. It's just the way that I built my business to be so brand focused. And and I think, you know, trying to, in anything in our business, when you try to stray away just that little bit from what you know, what you're comfortable with, you're like, I can't do this. No, I can't. You know, I know I could do it. I know I could go in there with like all the different styles that I'm currently picking up for modern pieces and definitely apply it to vintage. It's just changing my mindset and like being open to all of that while I'm in the thrift store. And I'm starting to do that now with like, home goods and stuff like that to furnish my own home with, not not to resell. Taking things that I'm seeing, whether it's in a magazine or on HGTV, whatever it is, and then going into the thrift stores and looking at pieces that may be vintage, maybe a little, you know, just a little different than what I'm looking at um, online and kind of getting that same style, that same vibe that I want. It's the same application that I have to do with vintage clothing. I know that in my head, I just have to physically do it now. <laughs> that's I think that if you look at Brittany's what she sells and what I sell if you go through and you see we have both modern and vintage pieces and you sift through our stores and closets they all go together even Mm -hmm. though something was made yesterday and something was made 50 years ago they still flow because she's picking up pieces that fit 
the aesthetic of everything else that she buys and I'm doing the same thing. And people say I have a curated closet. I don't really try to curate. I just go with things that speak to me, (laughs) whether it's modern. Over time it becomes curated because we all have our own style. So as you build your business and your closet, it people see, people look from the outside and they think it's a little curated, but it's, it's really just your personal style and what your customer has kind of bought over and over. So you keep buying that and then it, it kind of develops that way, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I like that you said, Victoria, that you don't really base things off of comps because that's something that um, I definitely do in my business too. I, I will look them up and I'll get an idea of what things sell for, especially if it's a brand that I'm not familiar with, but I don't use it as gold. Like it's not, it's not my it's just not how I, how I run my business. I list things at what I think it's worth and what I think they will sell for. So it's nice to hear that from a vintage seller as well, that that's kind of, you know, your game plan too, when you're listing these items. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, if you sit there and go off of comps too, you're going to have people who sell things who are just offloading from their own closets mixed in. And for me, I mean, this is a business like, and I don't pick things that you know, I'm trying to get a certain ASP. And so I'm picking things that are in the direction of that. I'm not picking, you know, I don't sell a lot of mall brands or things like that. So I'm not getting those lower priced items. A lot of people who watch my channel are like, oh, why don't you sell those things? Because you could still make money. I realize that, but I want to invest my time in these things that are going to pay off for a bigger sale price for me. And so I'm just gravitating in that direction. And so I just price it as I feel that it needs to be priced. So yeah, when I listened to y'all's podcast, when we were driving up these coast, I was like, I, I do a lot of the same things they do. <laughs> a lot of similar practices. Once you figure out like what's working for you, you know, yeah, um, now you, that. I'm curious from both of you, uh, how modeling plays into your business, because I admire you both. Mm-hmm. And I know the time and energy it takes to do what you do. And um, I'm just curious how much of a payoff you would say um, modeling is when it comes to vintage. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, yeah, uh, or just your I'll take work. in general, not necessarily payoff. Maybe that was the wrong way of putting it. Um, when yeah. you started modeling, how it's going, if you will continue to do it, benefits, pros, cons, all that good stuff. I'd love to hear. Well, I first started modeling when I opened my vintage shop all those years ago. Um, and then I kind of got away for, from it for a while. Um, I would say partly because I kind of lost track of myself and like what I was trying to achieve with my brand. I was like modeling off of some other shops that I really admired. Um, and so I, I kind of ended up not modeling as much. And then I had 
two children. So, you know, I was pregnant, um, breastfeeding, very busy for a very long time. Um, (laughs) and so there just wasn't like the body confidence, um, or the interest, I guess, in modeling clothing. Um, and it wasn't until after I had my first son, um, that I got into the mod cloth community. And, um, let me just tell you, like, never have you met a more inclusive and wonderful group of people than the people that have followed mod cloth for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I got involved in like a Facebook group around mod cloth and just learned a whole lot about body positivity and how it was, okay to be whatever shape you are in whatever moment you are and whatever point in your life that you are and um to just sort of like it, I mean it took a really long time to embrace that because when I first started modeling vintage you know I was like a size two four I think I had like a 25 26 inch waist and um I think I skipped that size give me two <laughs> I passed it all I mean Yeah. Uh, But I worked out like almost daily and I didn't eat a lot of food and, you know, like I can't, I can say very definitely that not only do I feel better about my body now, um, but that I ultimately think that I treat it better because I just appreciate everything that it's done for me. Yeah. Um, and so now, you know, I'm like, I'm a larger size. So it's like, I'm still considered straight size. Um, but I'm like, a large, extra large, somewhere like 12, 14. I have a very big chest. I have big hips, you know? And so to kind of like put myself out there at first, it was very intimidating, um, to go back to modeling. But what I found was that, people really responded to me and my face and like seeing me model the clothing and seeing the clothing on a body and seeing somebody who isn't that tiny size, um, you know, showing off clothing and putting vintage outfits together. And now, even though it's like, it's very time consuming um, to model the clothing and to model vintage and to put all of the outfits together. I just really love, um, I love the styling and, you know, I'll be in there and I'm like trying on a skirt and I'm like running upstairs to get this belt or like, Oh no, that doesn't look right. Or like, I don't like these shoes. And I'm like digging something out of my closet. And I'm like, I think it'll look really good with this. And, um, so I really enjoy the styling portion of it. And I have to say, that it does pay off the, the modeling, the modeled clothing, like it just flies so much faster than the stuff that I put on my dress form, just because like, there's a body to it. There's a personality to it. I record ever since Etsy added, um, video to their listings and Poshmark too has a video on their listings as well. But I have started like recording video of me, like, um, you know, just from all angles. A little swoosh and, of the skirt and yep, the twirl yep, of the dress. dress. <laughs> all that stuff. 
And uh, yeah, so whenever I do like a big modeling session and then I get that stuff listed, I would say at least a third of it sells within like the first week. And then within the month, a majority of it goes. And then I'm left with like a couple of stragglers. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's pretty impressive I have to say that, you know, the modeling, it does, it does help. And I don't know if it's because it can't entirely be because of me and my brand. Like I don't even have 4,000 followers on Instagram. So I feel like a lot of it is it's standing out, um, in the listings and in the searches and stuff like that. So it's great perspective on that. Victoria, what do you, what are your thoughts on it? So I, don't actually model my clothing for my resale business. All the clothing that you see like on Instagram and everything are my personal clothes, which, you know, I, I wear a lot of mod cloth. That's how I found Brittany was, uh, I think a YouTube, we started talking and I was like, oh my gosh, you like all the same stuff as me. Yep. (laughs) And, um, and I have a lot of vintage clothing that's in my personal wardrobe, but I am a plus size girl. I cannot wear all the clothing that I sell. Mm -hmm. There's no way. I mean, so what I do is an alternative, and this is proof that you can still get a lot for your vintage. I love Brittany. I, I wish that I could do what Brittany does because I'm a very creative person too. And I love her setups. I love her styling. I love, you know, she's just great, you know, and, but that isn't an option for me because of my size. So I share my fashion sense by modeling my own stuff, but for my resale business, I hire someone um, to model my vintage clothing. And, uh, so we took a little bit of a break during COVID. So I didn't get her, you know, in 2020, but she is now back to modeling for me. So she does all my vintage, but in the time that I couldn't have Krista modeling for me, I was still getting the same sale prices for the items I was selling without the modeling. So, which is, I think reinforcement for me, because it's hard. I wish I could model my photos, you know, like, uh, you know, I, I get asked questions about it, but unfortunately that's not in the cards for me. So, you know, you, you can find alternative routes. Uh, Would I rather be making, you know, great photos like Brittany? Sure. You know, but I try to bring in my aesthetic through my social media too, so that, you know, people can see styling of, of pieces that I have and see, you know, to wear and things like that too because I think that's a lot of fun so I still like to model clothing but it's usually my own so it you know I'm sorry I made that assumption because you have I feel like your Instagram is so branded it's so you and you Mm -hmm. you have such a vibe like I don't necessarily think my hoodies really represent what I necessarily sell online (laughs) although I sell a fair amount of hoodies but like if you look at my Instagram feed and me it doesn't really I guess, represent my brand. But when I look at you and the glasses and the, like, you are like mod cloth vibe all the way. And I, I I guess I just assumed you were also modeling some for your pieces that you're selling as well. I'm in the same boat. I feel like if I could, and I say, if I could, I can model my stuff. I feel like to represent older women as, because I'm 48, you don't see many people in their 40s and 50s, like modeling clothes on Poshmark. And I feel like I should be representing and like that size 14 body that I'm in. Um, And I just, I don't have that option for a lot of my clothing, but I do. And I know that 
Brittany, you do like some creative things like where you hold your flowers and, you know, if like how you turn, like I know that you have a few tricks, like if things don't fit you exactly the way, like you have kind of perfected the angles and the props and stuff <laughs> yep. like that. And I'm fascinated by it. So it would be nice. And Daniela, you recently this week on Instagram modeled a couple things and I was so proud of you. And yeah, you I mean, that was a, a big step for me in general. So for those who don't know, I, I've always been overweight my whole life. Like this is just, I'm Italian. I like food. I like to eat. It's who I am, right? It's food is a part of my life. However, I did lose a lot of weight, um, eight years ago or so. And I was a competitive power lifter. I was really fit. Like, like I was still around the same weight that I am now, but I was just muscular and I was still broad shoulders, you know, but I, and clothes didn't fit me well then either because of how muscular I was. So that was like one form of my life, but I was thinner and I could, I, I proudly wore things because of the way that I looked or that I thought, you know, I looked good, right? I thought I looked good. And um, over the last three years, I've regained not all of the weight back, but a good portion of it just because of life and things that have happened in my life and grief and all that kind of stuff and stress and, you know, all those things that we go through, all the ebbs and flows. And um, I've had some stuff medically going on and it's made it very difficult for me to lose the weight because of my certain medical conditions that I now have and I've got some hormonal things going on. So um, I... I love fashion and I love to dress myself, but I don't like to show it on social media because I don't know. It's just, it's like that piece of me that I don't want people to see, I guess. Not that I'm embarrassed by the way that I look, but it's like putting myself back out there in this body that I'm in right now, right? Just like you had said, Brittany, like in this phase of my life right now, this is where I'm at. I'm at a 16, sometimes a 14, sometimes an 18, depends on the clothes that I'm wearing, right? And um, it, it, it was tough to post that first one, but like, I'm okay with it. And, and I had a really good response with it. And a lot of people were messaging me, like, I'm so glad you posted that. Like, I would never do that. I, didn't, I don't feel comfortable doing it, but seeing you do it and, you know, just knowing that someone else feels the same way that I feel and showing that I can buy some thrifted clothes and put it out there that, yeah, it's plus size. And it, you know, I, I don't know. It so was fun. It was different. You yourself, you know, like it's just, yeah. I feel like I, I see very thin people who do nothing for me on, on a camera. <laughs> and I see plus size women who are absolutely stunning because they own it. They know, they know what makes them feel good. They know how to present themselves They're You can just see in their eyes. They're just confident in that moment in their skin. And that's what's appealing and sexy to me as opposed to just you know being thin you know right it's so a hard transition direction no but it's but I, I mean it's it's definitely on topic of what we're discussing too because I feel like um I would love to pick up more plus size clothing in general in the thrift store and I generally struggle finding things that I like for me personally that's plus size in the thrift store I can mm -hmm. find stuff on occasion um, but it, it is harder for me to find. So, you know, it, it's something that it, I have to search for I'm in the thrift store, but it can be done. And I think that's kind of the message that we all kind of have. I think if you're, if there's anyone out there listening, that's sort of like struggling with body positivity, but they also want to sort of gain that confidence to model. I feel like a lot of times as 
sellers or resellers, we kind of get into, um, you know, an echo box of um, just following other resellers. And uh, one of the things that I really love to do is to follow different fashion accounts and fashion bloggers. And I am very, very particular about I make sure that it is a diverse group of people that I'm following. So I'm following Mm -hmm. black men, I'm following white men, I'm following, you know, oversized men who are like, you know, they shop at the big and tall, also adding vintage. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm following like older women, like um, Style Mm -hmm. Crone is amazing. And I'm following um, vintage grandma and I'm following you know um, black women who like to do like renaissance you know recreational dressing and like it's just seeing other people put themselves out there at different stages in their lives and different sizes and you know it just gives you a little bit more confidence like I am just another person and there's, there's so much out there. It's like, it kind of takes the perspective away from like getting wrapped up in your own head, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I follow this one account where this woman, because you guys know I'm into American girl and this woman as, I don't know if it was her master's thesis. I don't know. She was, she was getting some higher level degree and she made all the period clothing for, I believe it was Kirsten and the detail and the length she went to to replicate replicate and make those costumes by hand her mm. instagram feed is just complete it's just art it's absolutely stunning and it's such a quirky little niche um and i'm fascinated by her and what she's done um you know and it, it's just it, like you said where she is what what she's studying what she's passionate about and it's kind of exciting yeah it's cool to see the different stuff mm-hmm. love that I love I love discussions about body positivity and, and and just seeing people who are in this community talking about it because I feel like a lot of the brands that I find a lot of the brands that I pick up a lot of the brands that I sell aren't necessarily the most inclusive when it comes to their sizing and um, I struggle with that sometimes. I'm like, oh, I really love this brand. I really love these pieces, but man, they just don't make, they, they stop at size 12, they stop at size 14. And, um, and sometimes that kind of, I don't know, I know it shouldn't affect me, but it does affect me sometimes. I'm like, I can't own this and I love it. And I find it all the time, you know? And I, I think just kind of changing the conversation in my own head and changing the conversation in general and using that as maybe, a style piece that I'd like to find and look for it in my size, maybe by a vintage, you know, brand or company and, and just kind of change the conversation that I'm having with myself, you know, because mm-hmm. as a reseller, we are, we encounter so many brands and so many different things and so many accounts. And I feel like sometimes it's overload. Yeah. And yeah. I always think, you know, when people in general, I will speak for myself as I've gotten older, I have grown out of things. It's not like I'm returning to my size eights from, you know, middle school. So I, when you go to the thrift store, I feel like there's an abundance of small clothes because that's what people are growing out of first. 
And um, that's why everybody gets so excited if they find a beautiful piece that's a size large, extra large, because you know there's so much more demand for it and there's less supply. So that's why we get so excited. Um, but yeah. We find that plus size down here in the South because we eat a lot. <laughs> so I find a lot of vintage and modern plus size, but you know, when you did your live and you were talking, you know, I said, I love Bowdoin too. That's one of those brands where I would mm -hmm. love Bowdoin, but there's not anything for me to wear. And right. so I go to brands like Mod Cloth, like Brittany was talking about who that they're so size inclusive. I mean, sometimes they go up to five X and I can find these beautiful, awesome pieces that are vintage inspired that are totally my style that I would have bought from Bowdoin if they offered it in my size, but I'm going to, I'm going to go to a brand that I know is going to, you know, take care of me and I'm going to be able to find things. So, so they do sell plus size, but I feel like it's a, almost a different line, isn't it? Like they have their straight size line and then that sort of stops and then they have different stuff, right? It's kind of like Christy Dawn. So Christy Dawn has extended sizing and but they only sell the dresses in extended sizing. And I'll tell you right now, they do not fit like true to size because I tried a 1X, a 2X and a 3X and they all fit me awkwardly and didn't fit correctly. And I tried three different styles of dresses. So, you know, I think brands are trying, right? So I think they're yeah. trying to be a little more inclusive, um, but they haven't necessarily understood how sizing works when it comes to plus size. But yes, I think you're right, Brittany, when it comes to Bowdoin, um, I think it stops at like, it stops at an 18, but it's, I personally can't fit into their 18 because I've tried and I don't fit in their 16. Um, uh, but I do think they have like a separate, separate thing for extended sizing. Well, like anthropology just goes straight through. They take the same style, same piece, and they go into all of their extended sizing and they, they do, but sometimes they change style. They change details about it. Like, yeah where the straight sizes might have a structured waist they'll put in like a smocked waist for the extended oh, sizes okay. so they do make like micro changes to Interesting. yeah I haven't really paid that close attention I mean I, I love that they have extended sizing and sometimes when they do have their markdowns I'll go in and I focus on you know plus size just just to have more pieces in my closet mm-hmm mm yeah. And, you know, there's athletic brands now that are starting to expand and there's definitely brands I think are realizing that there's a whole other market out there that they could be uh, selling to that yeah. they're not right now. So that's so interesting. That's, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, that's why it's important that people a size. I mean, I, I too have a hormonal disorder and I can't help it. I mean, there's nothing I can do. And so I embrace who I am. I think also turning 40, once I turned 40, it was just like, I don't even care. I'm like, totally me. I'm not trying to make, you know, fit in with anybody or whatever. And so the more that people like us who are plus size model and, you know, just show our complete selves and not hide, you know, I think the more these brands are really going to, you know, take notice and, and, and evolve. And I appreciate that brands like Anthropology, I've bought from Anthropology yeah, plenty with their, you know, plus sizes and it's the same quality. And I've 
love it, you know, and there's so many inclusive brands too. Like all my jeans are good American jeans. I love good American. Love good American. And I think I bought a pair from you, Daniela, one time. But, you know, I just, there, the more that we can get out there and be okay with who we are and mm-hmm. talking about, the more that people are going to take notice and be like, okay, we're, we're way past this, you know, skinny, emaciated, you know, that's all that exists in the world because there's, we're all different. I mean, there's so many different types of people in the world, you know, to have just this narrow, you know, idea of what a size scale is going to be. And they didn't even introduce the size scale until I think the eighties and or late seventies. So there was not even a standard size scale before that. So even when you look at vintage, you know, we were talking about labels. A lot of it was handmade for a period. So you do find plus size. I find a lot of plus size vintage fashion that I like to wear. So, you know, it's, it's just important to just be okay in your skin and just get out there and, you know, be who you are. Talking about sizing, um, how would you, so I guess that's a, something that I feel like I hear sometimes in the community where people say that vintage sizing generally can run smaller. It's not like the sizing that we know today. How much truth is to that? Or is it like what you just said, Victoria, where some of it was handmade. So it's kind of like you need to measure it, try it on kind of thing to see what the fit will be like. So I, when I list vintage, the easiest thing that, that I do, I don't know if Brittany does this too, but I always include measurements. And of course, I'm going to have a photo of the size tag if a size tag exists. But like if you get a size tag from the 90s, it's a 910. I'm not going to put a 10 or even an 8 in the listing. I'm going to put a smaller medium based on the measurements and the measurements based on modern sizing. So I'll put a letter value versus a number. And, you know, so that's easier to gauge. And I always say, check the measurements and mostly people who shop for vintage know to look at the measurements Mm -hmm. because that's how it is. I mean, because if you have, you know, commercialized, uh, fashion that came into being, you know, we started to see it in the late sixties and then seventies and eighties. And then there was no standardized until later, you know, so there wasn't even a standard size chart Mm -hmm. then, you know, it's all going to vary. So that's what I do. I put in measurements and then I use the letter size according to what the measurements are, but I'll always still post whatever the tag shows too. So that's great information, Victoria, to share. And I think people wonder that. And I wonder, I think I do both. I wonder, but I always find even from a search engine optimization standpoint, like if you say this is size small, I feel like you're going to attract more people than if you say, size two, you know, or what, whatever the number, I, th- I feel like if you, if you put small, medium, large, extra large, according to measurements, um, I feel like you'll draw more people in as well. Yeah. So I do pretty much the exact same thing. Um, I mean, just to give an example of the difference in sizing, um, you know, I was looking at a pattern today that I just picked up as Laura Ashley patterns from the late seventies. And I'm looking at the back of it and, um, the size 16, um, had a 36 bust, 28 waist, and then 36 hip. So that is like a modern size six, um, you know, so you're looking at like a very large, you know, fluctuation in sizing, um, between, 
vintage sizing and modern sizing, not to mention that they have Mrs. Sizing and, um, you know, sizing. it's very different and you have to, you know, if you don't know that, then the best thing that you can do is to take measurements. And then like Victoria said, just kind of try to learn um, what the modern equivalent is. And the best thing I can say about that is to take um, a modern top that is very similar or a modern bottom that is very similar and compare the measurements and see like, okay, this sweater has a 36 inch bust and my vintage sweater has a 36 inch bust and the length is the same and the arm inseam is the same. So probably the size is going to be about the same. Mm -hmm. And then in the listing, I'll put marked a vintage size, whatever fits like a modern small. I like that. So I, I like that wording. Mm-hmm. Marked a vintage size 16 fits like a modern small medium. And then I add the measurements in and I have never had anyone return anything for fit. So that's impressive. I like that. Same. Yeah. Sam, I've never had a return for sizing on vintage ever. Nope. Huh. Really good tip. The power of measurements. I, I feel like, you know, it's just it's, it's there for people to see and they can do the work, you know, to, if they don't know their own measurements, they can figure it out. And you have all the, you have all the markers, you know, all the go by the smallest measurement. So sometimes yeah. you might have a bust that's 42, but mm-hmm. then the hip is 36 and mm-hmm. the fit on that is going to be a small because the purse, it's supposed to be like maybe a dolman style with a fitted hip. And if you mark it as a large, because the bust is 42, mm. then I'm going to buy it and be like, I can't get one leg into this. Right. So, <laughs> exactly. you know. Houston, we have a problem. Yeah. I love That's that. a really good tip. Thank you for sharing that, as, guys. As far as dating things, because I feel like that's something, even though I, I enjoy vintage, I, I struggle with it sometimes. Brittany, you, I think, posted uh, union tags. That's like one of, yeah. I feel like one of your famous posts on Instagram where yeah, it was yeah. a different style that, and I always, I see a union tag and I'm like, ah, oh, I, I need to look at Brittany's thing. Like, I don't have them to memory. I don't know them to memory, but it's so nice to know that that reference is out there. It brings yeah. Me- so, um, the, I mean, the union tag, if you find a vintage piece and you're lucky enough that it has a union tag or a wool care tag um, or a national coats. What is it? National coats and Victoria, do you remember? No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's like a, a national um, coat one that went through like the sixties, I think. Um, but if you're lucky enough that it has some sort of union tag, then you'll at least be able to get like a general 10 to 15 year date range on mm-hmm. when your piece originated. Um, And the important thing that my post was really trying to point out because those union tag pictures, you know, they're everywhere. Um, But at Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line. It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. It's that the color 
of the tag is not the important thing. There's other details that you have to look at. Mm -hmm. So there's an all blue tag that um, dates from like the 60s, I think up to 63, I want to say. Um, and then you, there's other tags that might be printed on like the interior of lingerie and they're all blue. So people look at it and they're like, oh, this is from the 60s. And it's not because they're not looking at the whole of the union tag and all the different elements that go into it. Like they changed um, some of the wording and they added made in the USA down at the bottom. And mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, I was just trying to point out that the color of the tag is not an indicator of the age of the tag. Gotcha. There are other it, details to pay attention yeah. to. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Good to know. Good to know. Victoria, is there some sort of a trend that you see since we're all Northeast girls? I'm wondering what about, you know, your life in Mississippi? How, uh, are you in Mississippi or no, I'm on the Gulf coast. So I'm like right okay. on, on the Gulf. It's like the deep, deep South. <laughs> wow. Uh, so what, what is it about fashion down there? Maybe that is slightly different from things that we see up here. I mean, I know, I don't know. I know we get a lot of warm weather stuff up here um, because it's cold. I, I think the, the important thing to remember is, you know, sometimes resellers talk about, um, you know, seasonality of items. I list items all year long because I live in a climate where we, you know, we don't have cold weather. It literally will get to 50 degrees and that's our winter. <laughs> so it's tropical most of the time. We're, uh, when I moved to Ohio, I didn't even have like long pants. I had skirts and shorts <laughs> and no winter jacket. So there are climates in this, just in this country that, don't experience cold weather. So you may see, you know, a trend in coats and boots and things selling, but we don't really wear all that here. I'm still wearing flip-flops, you know, and um, I have a sweater on in my house, but that's because I'm trying to pretend like it's cold outside, but it's still you look cute. I love that sweater. I, I love the collar on that shirt. It's so cute. So I think for here, it always looks like what resort wear would be when a catalog changes and they start in cold for y'all and you start to see these re resort wear lines coming out. That's what we're in all the time. So don't be afraid to list anything any time of year because there's always somebody looking. And even if you live in a climate that gets really cold, you may be looking to come south or go on a vacation. And so you're looking for those things. So I'll sell winter coats in the middle of summer. It's like, you know, you just, you just never know. So, I mean, but here there's a pretty standard of that sort of resort wear look because that's all we are. We're, we're a beach town. So, you know, that sounds nice. Yeah. <laughs> Thank I you. think, yeah. If you look at like, um, like, Florida and like the Gulf Coast and you think about people you know shopping like the cobbled streets of St. Augustine or something like that it's very like it's very colorful mm -hmm. it's very like nautical um and yeah it, it's it's almost like Martha's Vineyard in the peak summer you know mm -hmm. or like Newburyport in the peak summer and yeah, that's yeah. kind of you're getting somebody on the boardwalk you know and they would rather be in Florida, but instead they're, you know. 
my brother just moved to Naples and his, his whole vibe has changed since he yeah. moved to Florida. The colors in his home, he's swapping out all of his like dark wood for, you know, white furniture yeah. and the colors on the wall are bright. In. Let me tell you, they lean in. Yeah, <laughs> he is definitely leaning in and loving it, loving it so much. I'm happy for him. One more question and then we'll let oh, you. Oh, you have another question. Go ahead. Yeah, I have one more question. Then, Lori, if you have another question, then we'll wrap it up because I know you ladies have little ones and you, I'm sure, want to go to bed as well. <laughs> um, so my question is, in terms of platform, do you think when it comes to vintage, there is one platform that is better than the other to sell on? Do you list it on all the platforms? Like, what's your methodology behind that? You go first, Victoria. <laughs> okay, well, for me Personally, my answer is going to be very different from Brittany's. I already know that. Now, I've been selling on, you know, all of these platforms for a long, well, especially eBay and Etsy. So I've seen a change, a shift. You can get really high on Etsy, but you need to be consistently listing on there. And I don't sell enough vintage where I'm listing every day you will see a dramatic drop off if you stop listing on Etsy. Mm. So I do sell on there, but it's not consistent because I'm not listing constantly. And I do cross post. I use Bindu and I cross post all the platforms that I sell on. And most of them happen on Poshmark. That's just where my customer base is. That is where the people who are shopping the items I'm selling are coming from. So 80 to 85% of my sales come from Poshmark. I do sell on eBay, I sell on Mercari, I sell on Etsy, and but that's where I see a trend in my sales. Now, if I was selling a larger weight of vintage, I would see that coming in from Etsy. And I have seen my Etsy sales start to increase because I'm listing, I'm getting back into reselling mid-century hard goods like I used to, um, because the, again, that's one of my loves. So that has caused an upswing, but not necessarily in the fashion because I'm not listing the fashion as much there. So for me, it's Poshmark right now, but I'm not opposed to it being any other platform and moving to another platform. And I do like Etsy and I hope that the downward trend they're seeing doesn't mean that it's going to eventually go away. I hope that there's it continues because it's a great platform, not because of just the vintage on there, but the handmade sellers. I know Brittany has sold a lot of handmade stuff on there. I sell paintings and things that I make on there too. And I would hate to see that go away too, because that's a great platform for that. So for me, the answer is Poshmark right now, but I do love like Etsy. I would, you know, I would rather see a lot of sales and I would love to continue to migrate over there and hopefully I'll see that increase. So would you both say that Etsy is in jeopardy? Like, I, I don't sell I didn't even Etsy. know that this was a um, thing. So like, yeah, I'm just curious if, I don't know, Brittany. Uh, from what I've read going recently, on with you, you're ready to. I know, yeah, Brittany's but, like ready to pounce. <laughs> no, Brittany, no, 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 go, go for it. No, well, Brittany, Brittany's, I, well, I'll let her talk for herself. But recently there's been some articles that came out about there's, there's a, di it's not looking good for Etsy. There's a downward trend as far as traffic mm. to the site. And to me, that's not as scary for the vintage side of it, but it is for these handmade sellers because mm. there are so many people, artisans and craftsmen who make things on the site and they're so phenomenal. And some of them bounce off and start their own websites and, you know, create a Shopify or whatever, but Etsy is usually like that doorway for them. It's an easy way for them to get their foot in the door, similar to how a lot of people start selling on Poshmark versus eBay because Poshmark's easier to sell on. Yeah. Um, you see that with Etsy. So 
a lot of people will start their business and build their business and go from Etsy. But um, I mean, as of like today, there were starting to be articles coming out of a downward trend on Etsy. And so I just, I'm scared. I don't want, you know, I really would not like to see it go away. That's really sad. I love buying things. I'm in the planner community. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying, I buy a lot of my stuff from Etsy in terms of like skincare and just rent. There's like different teas that I buy on Etsy and I I do buy a lot of um, from smaller sellers that are in the area that they don't have brick and mortars, but they sell on Etsy. So that'd be really sad if that went away. I do too. I get like quirky earrings. Like you'll see me tag a lot of people. I buy weird earrings and I get um, some of my uh, perfumes that I buy. I buy from sellers who use essential oils who I love, who are on Etsy. So yeah, I, I purchase a lot from there too. I was just admiring your black kind of 80s earrings on Instagram. They were fantastic. Oh yeah. I have a whole collection of, of ear, weird earrings. I love, <laughs> love it. So what about you, Brittany? So just to, I guess, keep on with the sort of vein of that. I have, I've been on Etsy since 2008. Um, I've had a handmade business that was, um, you know, I started out very small. I was just in college. I was in my dorm room um, and it grew uh, and grew and grew and um, it did really well. And that was actually how I left my job in the first place. I started to make enough money that I was comfortable to leave my job. So um, yeah, I've been on Etsy for a very long time and I have seen countless times of struggles and you know them bringing in a new CEO or trying this new thing and people always saying like oh is it the end of Etsy or is it you know are they struggling um you know Etsy did just go um public a few years back and they got a new CEO and they have been making changes such as offsite advertising. And it has generally been my experience that everything that they have done, if you are listing consistently and you're go- doing a good job using their platform, it helps you, it does not hurt you. Um, so my sales on Etsy this year, and to be fair, I have been putting in more effort there, but they are far and away the best Etsy sales I have ever had um, for my vintage in the, you know. You mean specifically in 2021, Brittany? Specifically this year. Mm -hmm. Um, The sale, I mean, like every month, my numbers are like hundreds of percent over my prior year. Mm -hmm. Um, So just, just very good. But On the other hand, I think it is a tit for tat because it's a push and pull with when you sell on multiple platforms. If you're not putting all of your energy into one platform, then somewhere you're taking away energy from, you know, you're splitting that, that mental space and that advertising space. And, um, you know, I have been trying eBay since June of this year and my Poshmark sales have tanked. Um, And so I think that it's really a matter of like where you're putting your time and your energy. And I actually 
to plug my freaking channel again in my YouTube <laughs> plug channel. Plug away, my friend. <laughs> about, um, you know, whether Etsy is worth it for you and like how to evaluate whether or not, like Victoria said, you sell enough to bother investing the amount of time that it takes to make an Etsy successful. Because my general idea is that if you are not going to give it enough love to be successful, then don't pull that energy away from where you're already successful. So when I split off and started to do eBay, even though I thought that I could manage the various platforms that I was on, what I ultimately saw was that the sales on eBay were not enough to make up for what I have lost on Poshmark. So, um, as the year comes to an end, I always sit down with my notebook and take a look at what I want to do for the year going forward, look at where I failed, look at where I succeeded. And so I'm sort of coming to that point. And, um, I think that ultimately as a seller, you just have to look at what the right platforms are for you. And for some people, they would swear up and down that Vintage does amazing on eBay and that is their their killer platform and that is where they sell their vintage. And some people would swear up and down that it's Etsy and I would be one of those people. Um, and then other people would say that they're killing it on Depop or they're killing it on Poshmark. And so it just really depends on where you put your time and how you get to learn the platform. I have zero interest in learning eBay's platform. So I hired someone else to do it for me and um, it shows, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. I don't really ever try to sell anybody on one particular platform because I really think it comes down to preference and, you know, what you nurture is what's going to grow in my opinion. And for me, you know, whatever it's changed. It's been pretty consistently on Poshmark, but on the, the weeks, the months that I do focus on eBay, I get a return there, you know, because I'm giving eBay some love. And, but for me, I've had like my tipping point, I think is too. well, like right now I'm really um, juggling with Amazon, which I'm learning very quickly. I am not remotely passionate about at all, at all. I feel like a warehouse, just buying things, processing them and getting them out the door and like the margins are small some people live for amazon and they do so well and it's so exciting to see their passion for it but i quickly realized it wasn't mine mercari kind of fell off the map really quickly too so i think whatever and i think it's a little bit we're all creatures of habit i can speak for myself and it's like you know you poshmark is just so comfy for me like i poshmark i can do in my sleep and yeah there are people who say, how do you sell on Poshmark? How do you sell on eBay? I can't get a sale on Etsy. Like whatever the platform is, it's it's just kind of where you put your love. I feel that you get the return. I do feel bad for people who feel like they're putting so much into one platform and not getting results. Those are the people who I feel bad for. Like, well, how, how do your listings look? Where are you pricing stuff? What are you purchasing to put on that platform? But I feel like we kind of all have some level of comfort and confidence with our craft and what we're selling on our platforms and the what we're carrying um and how it does on certain platforms so I, I think it's harder for a newer seller to figure figure that out sometimes um yeah. like and and people are diff- some people are intimidated by ebay some people by other platforms like etsy scares me a little bit 
Yeah. It scares me. It's just like another thing to have to learn. And it's like, like you said, unless you're real, am I really going to put time over there and to, to try to get a shop up and running in any way? Like I've been thinking about printables over on eBay because mm-hmm. I'm big in the planning community and, and I mean, on Etsy, I'm sorry. And there are, are a ton of shops on Etsy for printables, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I've thought about that, but yeah, it's like, Ooh, do you want to, I'm always worried about being a jack of all trades and master of none when it yeah. comes to platforms, you know? So it's interesting that it, it's great that you guys both have um, you, a similar vibe with very different platform. Yeah. You know, different business different. models, similar, but different all at the same time, which is always interesting to see because I think um, just like with Poshmark sellers, you assume that everyone's kind of the same. You would think the same thing about vintage sellers. You like to do the same things and in a way you do, but you also have different ways of running your businesses. So it's nice to hear that perspective. It's nice to see someone that models all their clothing, someone who hires someone to model the clothing and who had a year of not doing that, right? And just selling it um, by hanging it on the wall, I'm assuming, or do you have a, uh, a form, you know? So it's I just, just hang it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so fun to just have these conversations and learn something new from others in the community who do something a little different. We all have... We all sell clothes or, you know, we resell, I should say, not all of us sell clothing, but we just all have different models and it's so fun to learn from one another. I just have one more quick question for Victoria and then we'll wrap it up. Um, I'm just curious how hard goods are going for you. Um, And if you're primarily shipping them or are you doing like Facebook marketplace, local pickups, are you doing big, small, curious? The only thing that I have ever sold on Facebook marketplace is furniture. And uh, so I, I don't sell on there at all, um, but I just ship and it's, there is a whole niche. I think that a lot of resellers in our community are so fashion-based. Uh, they know a little bit about home goods because they live in a home. And so they're buying things for themselves and they're, and they're you know, there are certain trends and things in home, but there's, there are people who are collectors who pay top dollar for items and you would have no idea that the things that you could make money off of that you're passing by you're already there at the thrift store you're already on a treasure hunt trying to find brands that you're going to sell that you know will sell for you and there are things that you could sell that aren't huge that you don't have to store people think oh hard goods they're scary because you have to store these big pieces and that's not necessarily true there's there are certain things that you can buy and They'll sell so quickly, you won't even have them in enough time for you to store them. Um, I'll give you an example. My friend recently found a really rare Pyrex dish. She sends me pictures every time she finds uh, mid-century stuff. This is my friend, uh, Bob Buys. She has like a YouTube channel too. And she sent it to me and I was like, oh my gosh, it was one of the most rarest Pyrex pieces. And it still had the stand. And I think she paid $5 for it. And it sold for uh, like something ridiculous, like over $500. Cause so you don't even know. So she didn't even have it in her house for that long. So if you want to delve into hard goods, I mean, I have a lot of stuff on my channel and I have a lot of videos in the works. I like to talk about the history of companies that make these products too. And that helps just like with vintage fashion, with dating, and knowing the era, knowing the different patterns and, you know, styles and things of these home goods. So yes, I definitely think hard goods are always selling. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. 
So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Uh, I don't think they stop because people are constantly looking for things for their homes. So I That's saw a lot of, and I look at it because um, we're all on YouTube, all four of us. And so yeah. I look at channels like crazy lamp lady and lavender clothesline and some of these massive accounts and they're all selling hard goods, you know, and yeah. I think you appeal to a broader base audience yeah when you're doing hard goods and it's not so fashion specific. I mean, it, it also, you know, we're all in a niche with YouTube and I think sometimes niching down helps your channel and all that stuff, but it is really interesting to see the people who have branched out and, and done hard goods. And, um, and I always think every time I photograph a hard good, I'm like, that was so damn easy. Like oh, yeah. I didn't have to measure a thing. Like, <laughs> you know, there's no stains there's no rips I don't care about the fabric content wow like that was so easy you know but um then the packaging is different and stuff like that but like you said Victoria you can kind of pick and choose like I pick up a lot of like wooden bowls and things like that that I think kind of go with my vibe and my closet and they're not breakable so those are things that that I kind of look for sometimes as far as hard goods but there's just there's just so much variety once you're out there um I feel like um you know, not only is it that it like when sometimes when my clothing sales are down, my hard goods sales go up because mm-hmm. I sell hard goods too. And I yeah. sell books a lot as well. And, um, you know, I might get like, I might have a bad weekend for clothing sales, but then I sell five hard goods and, you know, make 600 bucks. So it's, it's like the buyers are so different. that, you know, where someone might not be looking for some kind of seasonal piece of clothing, the collectors, like Victoria said, they're always out there and they're always looking. And, um, just like the same advice goes with hard goods as it does with clothing. Like if you see something really cool or really weird, that's what you're looking for. And if it's vintage, you know, all the better, but like, I'll, you know, I follow vintage hard good sellers as well and they'll say that they were at a store and they were shopping and then this bowl just like caught their eye and it was just like the wood looked really nice and the shape was kind of interesting and then they get home and they look into it and it's like a $1,200 teak bowl that's from like the 1950s mm. Swedish designer you know and it's like it's just you have to rely on your instincts when you sell vintage whether it's hard goods or whether it's clothing you just have to look at it and say is that cool? Does someone else want that? You know? And I feel like that's just the bottom line. Like you just have to rely on your instinct until you know what you're looking for. And, and look at the real, real, they're taking mid-century modern hard goods, the stuff that I sell, the stuff that I collect and they're selling it and they're marking it way up. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I would not even ask that much for those glasses, <laughs> but the real, real is taking all that stuff too. Yes, so there's are. another platform for you to try to send your stuff into because they're trying to branch out also. They don't even, stuff, Victoria? not yet, but they're marking it up. So I'm going to try. About it. 
You should try because even their jewelry. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on that the next time I go to the thrift store because my rep keeps telling me like if you have any jewelry, it doesn't matter if it's unbranded as long as it's silver, um, sterling silver, gold. Can't have any cubic zirconia or anything like that in it. But as long as it's silver or gold, it doesn't matter if it's branded or not. They are taking it and they're marking it up because of the value of those metals right now. So. It's interesting. They're definitely going in a different direction. So um, I'm curious to see how that keeps playing out as the years, you know, as the next year goes on. I have two pieces that I'm sending to the real real that are jewelry um, because they've been advertising so much. Mm-hmm. I have a David Yerman necklace and uh, like a Gucci sterling silver ring. I got it TJ Maxx. So they're both names, but the way that she said that they do it is they don't quote you over the phone. Well, she's my representative, but like, she's not going to give me any any quotes or anything, but she said, send it to them. They send you an estimate and then you say whether or not you want them to list it. So they don't like list it automatically. They get your approval first before they list it. Because I was unsure. I'm like, well, they're going to offer me 20 bucks for a David Yerman necklace. No, you know what I mean? But I thought that was interesting because they don't, they don't do that. You can always pull things if they list it for a price and you're not happy, but they don't ask for your approval. But with the jewelry, I thought that that was interesting. So we'll see how that goes. I didn't know that, but they are, they're heavily advertising the jewelry right now. It's everywhere. Well, thank you ladies so much. This was really a fun conversation and I look forward to catching up on both of your channels, Mm -hmm. especially this time of year. I'm looking forward to the, the Christmas. What is it called? It's Merry Kitchmas. Merry Kitchmas. So I love cute. it. I love it. I love, I love it. that. And all of Brittany's information, Victoria's information will be in the show notes. So you guys can follow them on social media and you can go watch their YouTube channels and subscribe to their channels. Um, lots of information. I mean, this conversation could keep going. It <laughs> really could. Yeah, There's really just so could. much. There's so much to share and so much to learn, but we really appreciate you guys coming on and talking with us. And thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Of course. It was our pleasure. We're happy we worked it out. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Bye, everyone. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. This is just a reminder that Thrifters Villa's Patreon is officially live. You can find us on patreon.com backslash Thrifters Villa. It is just $5 a month where we're going to offer you bonus content, extra episodes, a free downloadable a month, and live events. So make sure to check us out there and we will see you next week.